listening to First Church Charlotte. All right, God bless you all. Great to see you in the house of the Lord. Let's all stand together. I'm going to read a scripture, but you're going to, actually, we're not going to read it. This is going to be a memory test where we see uh, who uh, can quote Acts 2 verse 37. Uh, I don't even know if I can, I know I can get the gist of it. I, this is the part I remember here. Men and brethren, what must we do? I think Don said, where are we going to eat? Men and brethren, where are we going to eat? Uh, Acts 2 and 37 is the response of the crowd to uh, the preaching of Peter. What shall we do? And I am going to... I'm going to talk tonight about repentance. I'm going to talk about it as a foundation, and I'm going to talk about it as a spiritual ideal. Uh, I'll explain that as we go. I'm wanting to do a, uh, I'm wanting to do a, a few Wednesday nights here. I'm wanting to do this every year where we just go back through basic Christian, uh, basic Christian theologies. And the reason why is not because you guys don't know and not because you don't believe it, but... The, when, you, when you refresh it, it helps you to talk about it. Amen. It helps you to communicate it. And um, repentance is foundational to anybody who needs redemption. And since we all need redemption, it's foundational, foundational to you. So before you're seated, fist bump your neighbor and say, I'm pretty sure you need to repent about something. <laughs> Don't let them off the hook. You tell them, I'm pretty sure you need to repent about something. Amen. All right, let's get into this. Repentance. There is no spiritual progress without repentance. Repentance is really a, a starting point for all of us. And I want, to, I want to be honest in the sense that I confess that us apostolic types sometimes are guilty of rushing past repentance because we're so excited about people uh, getting to baptism of water and baptism of spirit. And we at times rush past repentance. And that's, in my opinion, always a mistake. Because repentance is not simply a formula of how do you get out of jail free. Repentance is about a weighing of what kind of life you want to live. Does that make sense? Now, if it's easy for us to try to put f- kind of formulas of salvation on God, but remember, the scripture was written with the presumption that you would get to know the author. And the scripture was written with the presumption is that you would be a tabernacle, a host to his spirit, and his spirit would lead you and guide you into all truth. And so if you simply scour the scripture looking for a formula. There's nothing wrong with that. It can be helpful for study. But if that is what you take away, you miss the point that the whole of the scripture is an invitation to divine relationship. Can I have a big amen? It is an invitation to relationship. So if you have all your box, boxes checked and all your I's dotted and all your T's crossed, but you are not actively striving to walk with God in your daily life, you are settling for a lesser thing because the highest thing we have, 
The highest invitation we have been given is to have a relationship with the Almighty God. That is what was lost in Eden, and that was what Christ died that we might have repaired. And so through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we who were estranged from God, we who were afar off because of sin, have been given access for what purpose, for what point, to have a relationship with Almighty God. Repentance is the beginning, and we as apostolics celebrate, as we should, uh, scriptures like Acts 2 and verse 38. Repent, somebody say repent. Be baptized in Jesus' name for the remissions of, uh, remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we celebrate there, and we build three tabernacles there, and we write songs about it. And unfortunately, sometimes we're so quick to get people to the experience or to get them to the checked box that they treat repentance as a get out of jail free card, not as a weighing of what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of life do I want to live? What am I willing to settle for? Notice that in all of the teaching of Jesus, he never gives anybody a shortcut to the kingdom of heaven. He always asks them to wrestle with the ideas of truth. He doesn't say, check this box and you're saved. He says, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? You have to wrestle with that. You have to think about what that means for you. And I, I want to show you that in the scripture because repentance is foundation. Yes, I am unaware of any Christian sect or denomination or organization that does not preach repentance. As a result, we often tell people to repent. We often rush past it in our teaching and our preaching, um, but we oftentimes do not understand it so much as we obey it. Now, this isn't all wrong. Sometimes uh, it's good to move on from basic things. Paul, at least one place, wants to get people to move on from their basic understanding to a deeper understanding that was like this, moving on from the issues of your salvation to seeing the mission of God's call and the manifest kingdom of heaven. Yes, there is more beyond. But I, as you guys know, a lot of times uh, spend too much time preaching about the things beyond. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I think I need to spend more time just being foundational um, on some of these, these issues. So the first commandment, on the first sermon of the first service of the new church was what? Repent. You had to roll your R's. It sounds more dignified. The first command on the first service of the first church was Peter saying, repent and be baptized. That is the very first commandment. Now, this is not the only place it's mentioned. All of the gospel writers, all of the epistle writers will give credence and place to repentance. The writer of the book of Hebrews places repentance uh, from acts that lead to death in chapter six, verse number one, at the head of a list of six 
foundational or elementary truths of God's word. And uh, just real quick, I put these notes online so you can download all my resource notes. I will not go through them all. I have too much here, but you'll be able to go through them um, later. So repentance is foundational to true Christian faith. We cannot simply rush past it. I know we get excited. We want people to experience that which is beyond, but But true repentance is not simply a get-out-of-jail-free card. It is a weighing of what kind of life we are willing to live. Um, Jesus taught his disciples, all of us, that our mission was to go and to make uh, disciples. And uh, we also see in Luke's rendition of, of the same moment. Matthew gave it to us in chapter number 28. Luke gives this to us in chapter number 24. He says this, repentance and remission of sins should be preached to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached to all nations beginning at, at Jerusalem. Furthermore, <clears throat> if you were to look for the common theme between John the Baptist, who represents the, the highest, the, 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 the ultimate place of Old Testament preaching as introduction to Jesus, if you were to link the preaching of John the Baptist to the preaching of Jesus, to the preaching of the New Testament church, what would they all have in common? Repentance. So I want to, I want to, uh, I, I want you to, to understand and see the deep current. There is no other celebrated doctrine of the New Testament church that is touched by all of them. Jesus was baptized. He did not baptize. John baptized. They baptized the New Testament church. But what is the continuing thing between all three? Now, we're just looking here for continuity. We're not looking at what we do today because we have lots of apostolic doctrine given to us by epistles and gospels. Uh, I want you to see the, 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 the consistency of repentance through through all three of them. John preached repentance. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did Jesus preach? Repentance. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in the New Testament, they are preaching repentance and remission of sins to all nations beginning at at Jerusalem. And so repentance is a divinely appointed means of repairing a relationship between God and humankind, so writes at least one theologian. It is the divinely appointed means of repairing a broken relationship between God and and man. And so the first thing I want to emphasize to you is the foundation of it, and that is this. Repentance is a change of mind, heart, and behavior. It literally comes from a marching term used in uh, ancient armies where in their language they would shout repent and a line of marching soldiers would turn on their heel and go the opposite direction. I was going this way and I decided to repent and now I'm going this way. So it is the image of living a a life of sinful self-indulgence, selfish satisfaction, self-interests, self 
pursuits of the flesh, and now letting that self be subjected to a higher purpose, a higher calling, and now I'm no longer living to satisfy myself. I am seeking to please God. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of behavior. And some of you, I feel like, are already zoning out on me because you're like, oh, God, repentance. You want to know why I don't preach on repentance? Because I can feel half of you just zoning right out. All right. I'll get back to something complicated for you spoiled people to find rich cooking. Thank you very much. See how I complimented myself? That's some genius right there. Um, Many of the commandments of God, particularly in the Old Testament, have a basis in the negative, thou shalt not. In the New Testament, we still have commands against, but we also have this sound, this change, this different tone of invitation to the to the kingdom of God, invitation not to be a slave of obligation, but to choose to give him our hearts. It's not just the emphasis upon the negative, it is also an emphasis upon the positive. As if to say, repentance is not just a don't do that, repentance is a you should start doing this. So I want to bring out a couple things in uh, this foundations of repentance before I talked about uh, repentance as an ideal or an aspiration and Some of you guys who are dozing on me now, you can wake up for that part. It'll get more interesting. I want you to see that there must be in our lives fruits of repentance. Uh, This isn't my idea. This is, this very much is a scriptural idea. Uh, Peter in Acts 3 verse 19 says, repent and be converted. Repent and be converted. Or uh, another way to interpret that would be turn and be changed, turn and be changed. And so there's a story, uh, John the Baptist, that's told to us um, in Matthew chapter number three. And there were some, some uh, hypocrites, they were uh, religious types, but they came to criticize uh, John the Baptist and they were pretending to be sincere, but they of course were there to cause trouble. And they came to him. He's baptizing people in the Jordan River, and uh, John the Baptist challenges them. Now, this is very much an anointing thing. This is not something that we do so much now. Let me explain that by saying this. Um, When someone comes to our services now and they want to be repent, they want to be baptized, they want to repent, they want to be baptized, we do not spend a lot of time trying to discern their heart and their reason why. Uh, Maybe, maybe that is an error. If that is an error, the the Lord knows where I live and I would love for him to correct me. But um, unless you are in obvious mocking, I'm going to take you on good faith and I'm going to receive uh, your, your effort to find repentance at this church, at these altars, and the same for baptism. Unless it's obviously a mockery or obviously something of that manner, as a church, we'll celebrate with you. In fact, you could trick us. You could play games and trick us. We will receive you in good faith. There is a a quite famous um, comedian who went to an apostolic camp meeting, and he pretended to be converted, and no one knew that he was being videoed, and um, he had, I actually knew some of the people that were involved in that. Um, the guy sitting beside him in the, com- in the, in the comedy, as it was put out, uh, was a pastor's son, and you can see that pastor's son uh, not, not, not trying to, uh, you know, uh, in any way uh, 
make fun or, or see through the, the, the cynicism of the moment. He simply was wanting something good for this person. He, he wanted something good for this comedian. He didn't know it was all a joke. And so they prayed for him, and the comedian acted through the whole thing. The comedian, I think, got baptized, if I remember correctly. The whole show, it all was a joke. Now, okay, you got us. If you want to get us again, you'll get us again. You know why? We're not in the business of trying to judge you when you come to God. However, John the Baptist was not in of, he was not of the same state of mind. And when he felt something wrong, he challenged them. And so when these people came to them, came to him to be baptized, evidently he wouldn't baptize them. He told them they needed to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now imagine if I, as a pastor, you come to church and you repent and you say, I, I, I want to be baptized. And I say, let's talk about them sins in your life. How are you doing with X? Not so good. I'm not baptizing you. You can bust it wide open. Can you imagine that kind? That's just not, that is exactly what John the Baptist does. He tells them to produce fruits of repentance. And here's what's really interesting. This is easy to miss in your, in your Bible reading. Easy to miss them. In Luke's account, um, they ask for examples well, what would be fruits of repentance? And uh, John answers them. And here you go. The first lesson is fruits of repentance in your life would be a spirit of generosity. How about that? I know lots of Christians that need to hear that preaching. John the Baptist says, if you have two tunics, give one of them to somebody who has none. Whoa. If you have food, Give some food to somebody who has none. There should be a spirit of generosity in you. That's John the Baptist's language, fruits of repentance. Secondly, tax collectors come to be baptized. He says, what shall we do? And he says, collect no more that is appointed to you. There should be justice in your life. Fruits of, uh, of repentance, there should be a sense of generosity. There should be a desire for justice, not to abuse your position to in some way better yourself. And then soldiers asked him, what shall we do? And he said, do not intimidate anybody. Do not accuse anybody falsely and be content with your wages. Now, I love this. I love this because I want you to see how the gospel is never some simply distant thing that doesn't apply to you. The gospel always starts right where you're living. And it starts asking you to make changes right where you're living. What is the context you're in? Fruits of repentance should show up in your real life. I don't mean how we dress up for church. I don't mean how we get, the, get put on our best clothes on Sunday. I mean fruits of repentance should show up in the nitty gritty of your life. John the Baptist told a Roman soldier, quit complaining about your wages. Y'all didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Well, that's what happens when you come to Bible study. You have to learn things. John had a ministry that focused upon repentance and remission. Repentance and remission. Repentance and baptism, which is the 
the spiritual symbol of washing and spiritual remission or regeneration. And so you see that in his life uh, again and again. And um, John, his ministries focused upon this baptism of repentance as, as, as Luke would write in Acts chapter 19 and verse number four. Um, so Paul's, Paul's um, teaching of repentance is the same as as, as John the Baptist, and he tells how he declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance, Acts 26, verse number 20. And so you see this continuity between John the Baptist, who is under the law, a prophet of the law, but a forerunner of a better covenant. You see Jesus telling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you see the apostle Paul, again, continuing this, all of the apostles bringing repentance as a foundation of our of a right relationship with God and how this broken relate this connection that was lost with God is restored and repentance becomes foundational it is established and repeated in the very parables that Jesus teaches uh, that gives us to share with the kingdom of heaven and I there are in your notes some um, more information on that I won't get into it for time's sake when a person repents when they repent of past offenses they cast themselves upon the mercy of God. They are making an acknowledgement. It is not, I know I've said this, I want to repeat it. It's not a get out of jail free card. Remember when you were a kid and you got caught and uh, you were now going to get a spanking? Now kids nowadays don't get spankings because they're all righteous. Um, but when we were growing up, we were heathen and we got spankings. And um, my kids get spankings if they need them. They just got my spirit, so they don't need a lot of spankings. And so uh, um, sometimes that Nugent spirit comes out, and we have to have a little, you know. Um, There's always this joke, are you sorry because you see you did something wrong and you understand the categorical why if you want to be philosophical there's a categorical why if everyone did that it would destroy civil society do you see that young lad or are you just sad because now troubles come in your way which is it why are you sorry okay on one hand we treat repentance like i don't want a spanking On the other hand, we are moved within our heart that we have separated ourselves from spiritual life. So I want to, I want to, I want to talk a little bit, having just established roughly some of the foundations of repentance, Old Testament, New Testament, um, seeing it in its place of, of correctiveness between our sin and, and, and God's Uh, righteousness and repenting for our sin that we might be given his righteousness. And uh, that's foundation. I want to talk about it as an ideal. Um, The most powerful thing you possess is the words you speak. We aren't God. Good thing, right? Humanity humanity doesn't make very good deity. (laughs) Um, We aren't God. uh, But the most powerful thing we, we possess is our word what we speak. You should understand this biblically. Um, We know from uh, the writer of Proverbs that you can speak both death and life with the things you say. You define death and life with the things you say. It is not an accident. 
It is not an accident. If you're looking for this in my notes, it's not going to be there. Um, I was, this is post notes. You've heard of pre notes, post notes? Yeah, this is post notes. So it's no accident that life and death is the exact same symbols used in the Garden of Eden between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat thereof, you will die. Because the truth is we all of us still live every day choosing what tree we're going to eat from. We can wallow in depression and then wonder why our faith is a negative number. We can eat from the tree of death. We can do the devil's job for him and be an accuser of ourselves and cast away our spiritual confidence. We can define our potential by saying things like, I could never do that. And I always feel like this. And you speak death over yourself and death over yourself. And then you wonder why there's so much death in your life. Or you can turn to the path of true faith and begin to speak confidence in God, not on yourself. You can begin to speak the promises of God, not self-reassurance, but the promises of God, you can speak life to yourself. It's just as though in a garden of God's perfection, you go to the tree of God's goodness and God's provision and God's protection and God's promises, and you take down the fruit of that, and you say, this is what will sustain me. You can speak with your tongue both death and life. Your tongue, your word, is the most powerful declarative force that is in your life. This is so true. It's not simply shown to us in a scripture here and a scripture there. It is thematic even, this is, I'm about to to stretch some of your brains here a little bit, even God chooses to define himself by the declarative word. Which is why you have scriptures like, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Why we see scriptures like, in the beginning, there's chaos and a void, and God speaks into that chaos, and out of that spoken word comes intention, divine intention, and all of the universe reacts to that divine intention. This theme is so established that in the scripture, you will find over and over the responsibility to speak what will be to claim what is, to self-declare as a statement of faith what is. This is, this is so true that I want to, I want to remind you of a, a few things. Uh, I've already mentioned Proverbs 18 and 21, the power of life and death are in the tongue. I also want to remind you of Ephesians 4 and 29 where, where, where Paul says we should use our words to uplift others and to bring grace to others. Um, There's also scriptures like Hebrews 5 and 7 where the Bible says Jesus' prayers were heard because of his reverent submission. This speech is very, very important because you can speak and define literally 
how you see yourself and who you will become by the power of your spoken word. Um, There is an example in James chapter number three where he used the example of a ship and he says this, take ships as an example. Although they are so large and they are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. In the same manner, your tongue is like a rudder in your life. It doesn't seem very much compared to the wind. Your tongue doesn't seem very powerful compared to the storm. It doesn't seem powerful compared to the waves. It doesn't even seem powerful compared to the ship of your life. But your tongue is defining where that ship will go. I want you to see how the power of the word is at every stage of God's transformation of us. Repentance is a spoken confession of what I am turning away from. Confession is a spoken admission of who I am not going to be. It's the power of what you say. I am sorry for my sin. I am a sinner and I am sorry for my sin. I am speaking it. I am defining it. And it may not seem like much, but it serves as a water a rudder in the water of my life and it turns me. It turns me back toward the things of God. I, I am sorry for what I have done. I, I confess that there is a tendency within me to lose my temper. I confess there's a tendency within me to have my eye drawn by a seductively dressed woman. I confess there is a tendency in me to love money however I can get it. I confess there is a tendency in me when you hit me, I want to hit you twice. I confess there's a tendency in me that if I don't get my way, I have a bad spirit. I confess I am speaking and I am defining the old me. Do you see? Words are powerful because at every stage of your spiritual transformation, there is going to be word that is spoken. The first is your words. I am not this. I am not this. I am not this. I am not a, I am not going to be bound by my lusts my whole life. I'm not going to be bound by greed and envy my whole life. I'm not going to be bound by temper tantrums my whole life. I confess I'm capable of it, but I turn away from it. I refute it. I say it is the old me. With your mouth, you define. It's a very small thing compared to the whole of your life. It doesn't seem very impressive compared to the wind and the storm, but I promise you, if you can change what you say, you can change how you think. And if you can change how you think, you can change your life. It literally is just that simple. You know why when people are melting down and having a panic attack, the person who's trying to help them asks them first to get control of their breathing? Why 
someone, the first thing they will say to you is breathe, breathe. Because if you can control one thing, maybe you can control something else. And they give you one thing to control, one thing. And you forget about who was at fault. And you forget about where the truck came from. And you forget about what happened to you. And you're given one thing. Breathe. And they tell you if you can control your breathing, you you can control your emotions. So it is with our tongue. If you can control what you're saying, you can control what you're thinking. And if you can control what you're thinking, the world is your, your oyster, honey. Because out of that comes a spiritual expectancy where you're no longer looking to what your flesh can do. You're no longer looking to what circumstances may come. You're able to start celebrating the promises of God. At every stage of spiritual transformation, there is a spoken word. So what happens at baptism? You go down in his name. We speak his name. That spoken or we don't mumble it. We don't think it. We don't chant it under our breath. I mean, maybe if you're nervous, you chant it under your breath. I've I've baptized a few people when the heater was out and it was so cold, I'm pretty sure they were saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. (laughs) And I just, that was the best way to get baptized in my opinion. That's how I got baptized. It was cold, honey. It wasn't that cold. It was August. So anyway, anyway, the water was cold. But you, 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 you say, you proclaim What has changed because someone said Jesus over you? Well, by one standard, nothing. And by another another standard, everything. And finally, when the Lord chooses to give you the sign of his presence within you and you receive the gift of tongues, the tongues is a sign. Tongues is not the Holy Ghost. It's a sign of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will work on you before you've ever come to God. The Holy Ghost will draw you. If he was lifted up, he'll draw all men. You can be not living right and the Holy Ghost convict you and the Holy Ghost will draw you. But when you get to a point of transformation where you no longer are simply being drawn to him, you now are being transformed like the disciples into useful vessels. He gives you a sign of his presence within you. And what did he choose to do as a sign over you and in you? He chose to speak through you with a tongue because in the spoken word there is the power of life and life and death and so by our lips we praise him by our speech we repent by our speech we confess and through this process we define this is so true this is so true that I I think this is some, there is an element of this that is manifest in the very self-definition of God where he says, I am that I am. It's a declarative statement 
I am that I am. You know what every person who says I'm not this but I'm that does? They repent of this and they say I am this. Now, he is not a sinner like us. I'm not trying to suggest that he is turning from his... uh, That's not my point. My point is the power of the word, the power of the spoken word. And so repentance in our life is not simply... And I'm almost done. Repent. In fact, musicians, you can come. Um, Repentance is not simply in our lives uh, kind of a, a step that we climb onto and move on. In its foundations, it is a weighing of the kind of life we want to live and the kind of people that we want to be. And therefore, it is a continual process, not simply a step. And this is why repentance is a continual ongoing effort in our life. I repent every day. The truth is I probably need to repent twice a day. (laughs) Um, And uh, thinking about some of you guys, you should probably repent three or four times a day. I want you to see it's not simply a step. It is a continual weighing of what kind of person do I want to be? Because sin lies at the door and selfishness lies at the door and self-centeredness lies at the door and uh, uh, using uh, God for our own purposes rather than letting God use us for his purposes. That temptation is right there at the door and we drift away and we get carnal and we're still, repentance is working in our life and producing fruit of repentance and we through this weighing process we're like no no not that not that Lord I'm sorry I'm sorry it embarrasses me that I'm repenting for this I I wish that I wasn't repenting for this kind of a thing I wish I had moved on to a, a better quality of sin Lord Jesus but it seems like I'm stuck right here but I'm not done weighing myself I'm not giving myself some grade on the curve. It's not simply a step. It is a way of life. Not that. Not the way of the flesh. Not the way of sin. Not the way of self-centered Christianity. But this. I am yours and you are mine. I want to know you. I want a relationship with you. I'm sorry when the petty stuff keeps me from what really matters. I'm sorry when I'm, I'm, I'm not a laborer in your vineyard. I'm sorry, Lord. Not Not that, but this. And through repentance, we continually, we continually self-define ourselves as not the old us, but the new us through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I want to share with you one more thing uh, before we all go our, our, our various ways. I feel like the police are calling me over here. There's a code 14 behind the dumpsters back there. (laughs) So um, anyway, um, there we go. Praise God. Let's all stand. (laughs) You know what I'd like us to do? And I'll, I'll lead it. I'll lead it. I'd like us all to have a a church-wide moment or more or two of of true repentance you know hopefully you've been serving the Lord long enough where you know where you're not ignorant of Satan's devices you know how he attacks you you know your bad habits you know your fears and doubts you, you kind of know how, how the enemy comes in and um, you know how you have a tendency to be susceptible does that make sense? you're susceptible okay so 
let's, let's take a moment right now. And we're not just doing a formula. We're saying, not that. I choose this. Lord Jesus, as your people, we stand before you today. We are each of us susceptible to, to fears. We are each of us susceptible to anxieties. We each of us can be led astray by many things. Lord, uh, if, if the apostles had to maintain a heart of repentance, how much more do we have to? If, if all of the great men and women of faith in the scripture had to, had to maintain a, a heart of repentance, how much more should we purify ourselves? So Lord Jesus, as a church, Lord, if there's any arena of our, 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 our serving you that we're missing something, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us and I pray you would convict us, Lord. And then I pray you would give us the direction that we, that we need. If there's any element of our life where we have hidden sin, Lord, don't let us be satisfied with hidden sin. Don't let us simply be satisfied because it's hidden, but convict us, oh God. And let us be reminded that we need to produce fruits of repentance. We turn away from from those things. We turn away from those, those elements in our life and we rather choose your way. I repent of the old things. I repent of the old me and I choose your way. And I, I acknowledge it is a choice on my part. I acknowledge I have to, I have to choose uh, of the kingdom of heaven and not simply the wants of my flesh, but God, that is what we choose today. We are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. Let us live true repentance. Let us celebrate true repentance. Let us celebrate a, a, a true Christian culture of confession where we make ourselves right before you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I could, I could take more time and I could talk about some of the, some of the uh, results of uh, unrepentant sin in our life. There are spiritual consequences to uh, un, un, unrepented sin in our life that are not simply where we are perhaps placing our soul at risk. Uh, it's more complicated than that. Um, unrepentant sin will put your soul at risk, but it's, it's, there's more to it than that. Do you realize that there can even be sicknesses that are in some way spiritually related that can come at you because of unrepentant sin in your life? Now, I don't want to get into that too much because I'll freak some of you out and you'll be like, my Lord, I'm finding me another church. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I want you to be aware that... Repentance is, is, is not just a step in our salvation formula. It is a life. I'm not, that's, that's, not, that's not what I want. I can be tempted to gossip, but that's not what I want. I can be tempted to rage, but that's not what I want. I turn away from that. I can be tempted to lust, but that's not what I want. I turn away from that. I choose every day to turn away from that. I produce fruits of repentance. Oh, let's praise the Lord one more time. Lord Jesus, we bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you for your presence that we feel here this evening. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your word. Be with your people. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't normally leave a service on a kind of a heavy note. You know, I don't do that. But I'm not going to preach on repentance and apologize for it. I'm not going to do it. Let's all live lives of repentance. Can I have a big amen? amen.
God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.